Hello and welcome to Pod Rocket. Today I'm here with Ryan Carniato, the creator of Solid JS. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. And we're still early in our video podcast journey here, so you can if for the avid uh, listeners and watchers out there, you probably see like my newly redesigned plant themed background. Um, so if you have any feedback on our video format or production value or things like that, definitely let us know in the comments. Um, but Ryan, today I'm really excited to learn about Solid. So maybe you could give us a quick intro to what is Solid and how does it help people build great web apps? Yeah. Uh, Solid is a JavaScript framework, uh, declarative JavaScript framework, very similar to React or Vue or Svelte. And uh, there's no shortage of those. But um, a, a while back, uh, several years ago, I just kind of started on this journey of creating um, the experience that I was looking for. I, I was actually a big fan of a lot of the earlier JavaScript frameworks, the stuff that came out before React. And React kind of came in the scene and it just completely displaced all of those. And it had good reason to. But I, I thought, you know, I could take some of those older paradigms and modernize them. And that's really what I've done with SolidJS. And what are some of those early frameworks that you really liked? Yeah, uh, for me, uh, was Knockout.js was probably the most standout of that bunch. But there was a few other of these. The key part was they were based on this idea of reactivity. Um, basically, you had like observables, and then they would automatically subscribe and update your view um, without much consideration of, of structure, which is kind of the problem and why they kind of got displaced over time. But uh, there was something really freeing about uh, how simple the model was. I was a .NET programmer through the 2000s working uh, ASP.NET and had all these giant uh, isomorphic sort of lifecycle function C-sharp code that would like hide the JavaScript on you. And uh, around 2009, 2010, we saw like this kind of change uh, where we're getting actual JavaScript frameworks, things like Backbone and Angular. And um, a lot of those took ideas from the server, like the MVC thing. Uh, Knockout was a little bit different. It was just uh, basically completely event-driven almost and, and granular. And uh, for me, this felt really freeing. Uh, it was just like, get rid of the components, get rid of the, the life cycles and stuff. And honestly, when React came around, they brought that back. And that wasn't really where I was at. I was much more on composition, uh, you know, building small building blocks and composing behaviors around those. And so maybe tell us a bit more about the architecture um, of solid, like what, you know, what did you take from those earlier frameworks like knockout? Any, did you borrow any ideas from react and you know, how did you improve upon that prior art? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the base concept was like knockout. We have these concept of observables. I actually use the term signal these days because RxJS has kind of claimed the whole observable thing and they're a little bit different. It's, they work like simple event emitters. They're they're not unlike streams, but the difference is a signal actually holds its value and can be uh, pulled for that value whenever asked. It's not just a push-based system. Um, but yeah, I took that reactive core, but the problem with that was, uh, and this is a classic problem you see when React was introduced they, they and they introduced Flux, there's this conversation about how the old Facebook messenger could never remember if it's seen your notifications. That was like, and that was because stuff messages are bouncing all over the place. 
Um, so the, the, what has kind of happened in the meanwhile since those days was MobX came out. It's a state library for React. And we've kind of seen the ability to take that reactive model and streamline it in a way that um, it is predictable and synchronous. And really what I, I did was I took that sort of predictable reactive execution and then took concepts from React like unidirectional flow um, and kind of read-write segregation um, and built it into something that looks a lot like React. You more or less have function components um, with JSX and you just write your state using these primitives, which happen to look like React hooks. Um, and for most people coming in, they'll they, they'll just kind of see React, but actually underneath the scenes, um, it's it's actually quite different. The uh, JSX actually is compiled to something slightly different. Um, it's compiled into these fine grained uh, reactive um, computations. I'm going to call them, but more or less. For a React developer, you can almost picture like your view is getting drawn with use effect. Like I'm compiling the JSX into a bunch of use effect commands. And under the hood, like, are you using a virtual DOM like React? Or I'm not positive on this, but some of those previous frameworks like Knockout, I don't think they had the virtual DOM concept, right? Right, exactly. The virtual DOM didn't exist back then. And even like early versions of like Vue didn't use a virtual DOM uh, and they were reactive in the similar way Knockout was. Uh, Vue 2, they completely cemented on that virtual DOM approach and continued into Vue 3. But for solid, these reactive primitives are really all you need to update something. They don't really care what the update is, right? To them, everything is a side effect. That's why I was mentioning like using effects to render. Um, more or less, you just have some data. When the data updates, run that function. And that's overly sim simple, but it helps kind of build the mental model here because what it means is we can do whatever we want in those side effect functions, more or less. And the whole key here in the approach is we keep things granular or fine-grained is the term I like to use. So instead of diffing large immutable structures where you basically, like the, the VDOM, the way it works is you render top-down and you create a whole tree, you know, maybe it's a partial tree because we, we, we kind of know the whereabouts, which components update. And then you compare it to the previous tree after you've done that. And then you find all the little differences and you update the DOM. Where the approach with solid is that kind of uh, information of where stuff updates is in the data. So when you update one piece of data here and maybe some piece of data somewhere else, it's already directly subscribed to the exact spots in the DOM that need to be updated. So you update the data and then it just calls the, basically calls the function to update the DOM. There's no, there's not much in the way of reconciling or diffing or, or whatnot. So uh, it's the reactive um, primitives themselves that basically memoize or hold the values that we need for comparison. So we do, we do some shallow comparisons. Every framework does diffing or comparisons to a certain degree. And, you know, if you're dealing with arrays, sometimes it's a little bit more complicated. Some items might have moved or whatnot. But generally speaking, we don't need a whole virtual representation to compare it. We just almost like one for one pinpoint update what depends on the data you update. And can you have component level state in solid or it's all like a global kind of globalized state that is passed down throughout your hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, and, and we can, how should I put it? Our components are just functions. So it's a bit misleading, 
but you write it the same way because the idea here is while I don't put much value in the component tree, the big, um, I guess, innovation in the approach to solid over MobX or even Vue or and other people kind of playing with this fine grain stuff is we nest our effects. If you view all rendering as a side effect, then, and the way reactivity works, it only cares about where the value is read. So it only updates or reruns the function closest to where the value is read. You can actually kind of, it's hard to visualize, obviously, but you can kind of onion your your your, your layout where, like components, where you have components and components, components, we kind of have effects and effects and effects. And the only difference is those effects originate from dynamic decision points, like maybe a condition in your JSX instead of the components. We kind of flatten the component tree in those places. But what it means is when you create a signal or you know some state underneath one of those effects, when you re-execute that effect, you are basically throwing away that state and recreating it again. Um, so there is a sort of ownership. Um, it's just not directly tied to the components. Instead, it's tied to your app structure, basically. It's the control flows, it's the decisions, the dynamic points in your code that actually are the boundaries. And this works really well because um, we're not adding an extra extraction. We're not adding extra boundaries. Like in in a framework like React, it's uh, when you're optimizing, I, I don't know if people are too aware, but you actually break components apart on purpose for memoization purposes. You know that you're like, this part updates, I wanna isolate that change. Um, Danny Rumoff had a great article about like when to use memo or, um, and this is the same kind of concept here um, with any VDOM uh, structure is you usually have to kind of think about, okay, I want this row item to update independent of the list of rows. So I'm gonna make that a separate component. And these kind of structural things matter. Whereas, with solid, and this is actually pretty unique to solid, almost even the other non-VDOM libraries, this isn't true. Um, they, they still work components, um, but with solid, because the, the control flows dictate where those boundary points are, we don't really care how you break up your components. Like essentially you just build your app and we'll basically optimize where all the switches happen and where all the boundaries are. Um, so this is a big part of the performance piece. And it's also, as I said, why I can't, it's a long answer to explain why their components can hold state because they can't, but it doesn't matter because in solid component renders once, uh, you know, so like when you choose to have a condition and it's show or don't show, when you go to show it, it's only going to run down that, that side, the show side once it's not going to rerun that whole part of the tree. So it will sit there and be used in all the closures and basically like build up your DOM view and just be there for you to use until you switch it to off. Um, and that's will cause something above it to re-render and free it all. But it's not the component that's doing it. It's actually this, the way you architected your application. Got it. So moving on for a bit, one of the you know, one of the best value props of React in my mind is the incredible ecosystem of third-party tools and plugins. Um, to what extent are tools in the React tool chain compatible with Solid? And um, you know, if kind of any key differences, where would you you know not be able to use best-in-class tools for the React ecosystem? Yeah, I mean th- that's the thing, and people. People kind of are surprised by my answer here because I didn't actually build Solid 
because I was worried about adoption or thinking about that. I was literally going, I like this paradigm. I think it is good. I think in a lot of ways it improves on things. So um, ecosystem and compat were actually the last thing that's on my mind, which is kind of unusual perhaps, but there, there is some and there, there is some not. Basically anything that relies on React's execution model um, basically is a no-go. We, it's really difficult to layer both execution models on top of each other. They're, they're just that different. Um, it, it's like, there's just expectations. Even when the hooks look the same, because of solids like only the hooks rerun and reacts the um, components rerun, you instantly hit this kind of incompatibility um, just because of like with React, you have to be aware of like stale closures. You can keep, you can refresh the state outside of the components and have different state in the different hooks. Like the, those kind of considerations aren't in solid, which means that we can't just use the libraries. So there's no like simple compilation work to transfer it. We have to kind of port them, which for simple components is dirt simple because simple components do generally just run that way. But once you are using use ref for not a DOM node, you've probably hit a zone where the React component is not executing like solid because solid does not have use ref or use callback. And obviously not using use callback with solid has no downside. You just hook up the, you know, the event listener or whatever it is, and there's no issue, but use ref has significant execution meaning. Um, and there's just no um, analog with use solid. Um, it just doesn't make sense. It would just be a normal variable. And once you kind of get into that zone, you can't com convert it. So yeah, there's no React compat. It's not like you can just slide this in, you know, Preact or Inferno, you can almost just like hit a switch alias the things. We, we can't do that. Right. But what we do get the leverage on the community is tools that are kind of closer to the build system, right? We're using JSX. So TypeScript, Prettier, you know, those are easy for us to enter interface with um, syntax tiling. I never had to worry about any of that. You know, some people came in recently asking about the language server and I'm like, I never touch language server. Honestly, it, it just worked out of the box for me. You know, ESLint, all the, all the kind of tooling pieces. And this actually applies a lot into a lot of CSS and CSS and JS tools, you know, Tailwind, all the compiled tools, all, all of those kind of things, things that look at JSX even. Um, there are a few exceptions when the, uh, like Emotion has this thing where they uh, try and take over the JSX pragma, like actually be the one rendering the JSX. We, we can't do that. We have a separate Babel transform, so we can't, we can't do that. But generally speaking, um, all the CSS and JS solutions, um, state generalized state library solutions, things like XState or Redux work fine. It's just it's just the 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 stuff that is like in component uh, essentially. Like the hooks themselves will, are not compatible with Solid, but um, everything that's kind of not relying on the hooks, which is as I said. Most things are so it's, but you know, we've recently seen things like React Query um, kind of isolate its core and not be React specific, right? The, the core of Apollo is actually a graph, is an uh, like almost like an RxJS style GraphQL client. So there, there's stuff there, but I, I said what we're missing then is that integration layer, that wrapper, and um, those you know need to be written. And sometimes I just kind of whip them up in an example, but you know realistically you you want someone to be maintaining a package and like being accountable um so we're we're we're, we're still building out that ecosystem um, and how does performance for a solid app compare to 
you know, React and Vue and, or maybe even some of the more performance focused, uh, you know, React uh, uh, kind of spinoffs like Preact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things go into an app and its performance. I'm, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that architecture takes a huge um, piece of it. Um, just the way you structure code. The biggest places where people lose uh um, performance often is how they parallelize data fetching, lazy, lazy loading, all those pieces. There's a reason why like Next.js and like those kind of frameworks um, have been gaining a lot of popularity recently just because it, it's complicated, right? And I, I, I've been building a lot of our solutions for Solid to account for those kind of pieces. That being said, um, if we get past, you know, the, you know, the architectural thing, assuming you're doing the right patterns and whatnot, um, Solid's approach is fairly lightweight in a sense because everything is built off these reactive primitives. It actually reduces code quite a bit. Um, so if we're talking just bundle size, it has a really nice story, right? Solid, you might go over the repo and see that's like 6.3 kilobytes and you're like, oh, Preact's only four kilobytes. But um, it's it, it, generally speaking, I mean, it, it depends on how you build your app, but most people who build Preact probably add Preact Compat or they add Preact Cooks. Preact is very granular into what pieces you use. If you just use the core library, then that's fine. In my experience, generally speaking, Solid is very comparable um, to Preact um, in size, uh, generally speaking, and uh, maybe just a tiny bit smaller in most things. Um, Svelte is definitely smaller when you do small apps, but Svelte uh, compiler makes bigger components. So I've been saw some great articles. Someone said it, I, I love that to do MVC is basically being used the unit of measurement, but uh, uh, th there's a, a comparison that showed that like if you put 30 to, to do MVCs on the page uh, in Svelte and 30 in React, that's the tipping point at which React and Svelte become about the same size. Uh, <laughs> and you did the same, the same thing. And he said, if you, and he found that with Vue, it was 19. Uh, and if you're doing SSR, it's actually 13 because Svelte's code for SSR hydration gets significantly bigger. With Solid, the number is about two and a half. So basically, once you get past like making to do MVC, Solid will be smaller than Svelte. But that's that's like size. I, I'm just it's funny because stuff like that actually probably ends up impacting more. Although my my passion has always been on pure execution uh, speed and like DOM rendering, and that's Definitely where Solid has had, um, you know, a bit of a, an edge. I've really focused on raw rendering speeds. And the, obviously that benchmarks well, but it means that um, Solid, like, you know, spitting up, like, I don't know, a thousand DOM elements on a page or, you know, something along those lines, something that you'd see like an initial load. Um, Sol Solid's performance is quite nice. It's, it's, it's easily, you know, 20 or 30% faster than most other JavaScript frameworks, like including the clones and then obviously react in some tests i've seen it twice as fast but that's that's on the client side the server side is actually more interesting no one really pays attention to it because i haven't really hyped it but uh solids raw string rendering uh, it, because we compile the jsx we get kind of we can kind of choose what we uh what we can compile to and we actually compile differently on this client and server and we actually swap out the runtime a little bit so it's not reactive which is kind of crazy but in the end uh is using solid on the server with jsx is very similar to using pug or something like we basically remove the framework overhead and in many uh, some basic tests that we were doing um solid was 
easily 10 to 12 times faster than most of the other JavaScript frameworks, especially like React or Preact in terms of server-side rendering. So there's a lot of elements when you talk about performance. <laughs> Architecture is going to trump anything I, I, I said at the end there, but I wanted to kind of walk through the pattern there because it's very easy for people to pick up solid, make a small sample app and go, wow, it's so fast because of in micro benchmarks and micro tests, because the raw rendering is so performant. Um, you know, you, you know, I, I, people come onto the discord occasionally and they're just like, oh, look, I made this app and it's, you know, you know, a third of the size of my previous react app. And it's, you know, this many milliseconds faster. I get those stories a lot, but I honestly think in most cases, people weren't optimizing one of them. It's too easy for people to kind of come in and go like, here's some old app that I already wrote. And then now I know a bit more and I wrote this new app and it's faster. I, I think a lot of these comparisons are, are, are slighted one way or the other. That's why I do like the JS framework benchmark because it's actually maintained by a lot of maintainers. You'll, you'll see like when Vue 3.2 came out, Evan, you went in there and made the PR himself. Like, and that it, it's good for us to help kind of I think it's better for the framework authors than the actual end users to get an idea of like how we've improved performance on this, you know, in the various re re places. But as I said, I mean, I gloat a little bit, but Solid is like the fastest on that. It's only about 7% slower than vanilla JS. So it's closer to vanilla JS than it is to the next most popular framework in terms of performance. So, you know, it's fast. It's fast. <laughs> Um, and so Solid hit 1.0 about two months ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. End of June. Uh, it's taken a while to, to get there, definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, congrats on that milestone. And how do you kind of see things evolving over the next couple months or the next year or so? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the funny thing is like most of the core stuff of Solid was ready for 1.0 back in January. I mean, I've been, I've been talking about it for like two years and then I was finally like, okay, it's, it's time to go because uh, I, I kept on wanting to do more. And mostly there's been a lot of advances in server rendering. I wanted to make sure that our solution was good. Basically, I wanted to, you know, React 18 is coming and, you know, there's a lot of changes coming out there and people are playing with stuff. And I wanted to make sure that the core of Solid's APIs wouldn't need ha have it any major breaking changes right away to chase those. So I actually kind of already implemented uh, streaming SSR and, you know, a few of those, you know, kind of features kind of coming up in the future of next year in React. I, I went ahead and implemented the solid, um, you know, through last summer. And I, now that we're there, um, we still have more work to do. As and people can build on those APIs because they're stable. But there's there's basically a couple key things that that we're focusing on. Um, the first is we want to make it easier for people to work on Solid. Um, we have like a simple Vite starter, but we are working on something more to handle like server side rendering story. People come in every day and like, how do I server side render with Solid? And the answer is like. The same as almost every framework. It's actually tricky. You got to configure two different builds and have them talk to each other and like do all this stuff. We don't want you to deal with that. So um, we're building Solid Start, which is kind of like a starter template, and it, it basically it will have um, you know easy adapters to deploy to different environments. Like we already have a working demo with Cloudflare, and you know Node.js works, and you know there's a lot of platforms to kind of work with, and it'll support all the different methods of server rendering with solid and hydration. So um, we feel like that's 
really important to get a really solid starter, um, so to speak. And um, we pulled a lot of influence there from like Remix, run from React and SvelteKit. Um, so the, the, that's kind of the elements that are kind of coming together here. But that, that's a big project that's taking months. And it's, it's funny, it's not the core stuff so much. Um, you know, like we have the streaming rendering and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's more that um, it takes a lot of config and management to build these things to be generalized for every solution. Like this is not my forte, I'm not going to lie. I, I enjoy solving the tr tricky problems. So coming up with something that, you know, someone doesn't come in and be like, you broke it on Windows again. And I'm like, you know, I, I did break it on Windows again. Um, it's definitely a challenge. Um, but yeah, we're, 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 over the next few months, we're going to have like an official starter that'll have a full isomorphic kind of like, a, we're, obviously Next.js is huge. So I don't want to make a comparison to that. And like they, they have millions of dollars funneling into making that system, but you know, a mini Next.js, like SvelteKit is a better comparison. And that's kind of what we're, we're, we're working on there. And then the, on the second front, um, uh, there, there's still like a lot of technology pieces that I want to chase after. I mentioned streaming. Our streaming is still rudimentary. I want to do better. Um, and there's a lot of stuff on the SSR side that has room to explore. I, I think uh, current single page app frameworks um, kind of hit a wall there mostly uh, a couple of years ago, and it hasn't really progressed that much. React has actually been one of the few that have been working really hard at this over the last couple of years, and it's kind of coming out in React 18. And I think that's going to be enough to push everyone else to like think and go, okay, maybe I need to spend some more time here. And we've been aware of that and been working on that with Solid, but there's still, there's still more work to do. Um, you know, small team trying to do this stuff. Like, as I said, we got, we have elements of it. We have, you know, um, suspense on the server, automatic hydration through lazy components. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff that we're doing that uh, to my knowledge, no other framework's doing yet, but that's not going to be the case in six months or a year. I think, I think you're seeing another kind of, what's the term, almost like gold rush to, to, to the, the new stuff. It's kind of funny because I know there's this desire for things to kind of stabilize and like no more JavaScript fatigue and I don't want to do stuff eight different ways, but I, realistically um, we're, at the tipping point right now, I think of another sort of uh, burst of innovation. And, and maybe outside of, um, you know, outside of Solid and what you're working on, like what else excites you kind of in, in terms of that burst of innovation? Like we talked a bit about the isomorphic um, kind of Next.js and the other isomorphic options, but anything else that's particularly exciting? Yeah, I mean... I, I don't know if everyone knows this. I work on two frameworks and I, I mean, this is my, my work again a little bit, although I can't take credit for the, the, the ingenuity that's coming out of this completely because these guys were working on it before me, but I, I work for on uh, Marco at eBay and basically to put this in context for people a little bit, um, there's been a sort of new type of framework uh, to attack um, SSR uh, people are kind of getting tired of single page app frameworks, basically hogging all their resources, putting tons of JavaScript on the, on the, on the browser. And one of the recent projects that's gained a lot of attention and also excites me too, is um, Astro. And uh, Astro is, is basically a static site generator and, People look at it and they, they don't quite get it at first. They're like, oh, it's like a Next.js maybe or Gatsby, but it's different. You can use any framework. But that's not the that's not the important part. The important part is that they've architected in such a way that your page is mostly static and then you just put some islands on there. And Solid actually works with it. Um, you can actually use Solid on, on it. And what's cool is if you aren't thinking single page app, if you 
are just, you know, classic app, you know, load a page, click the link, go to the server, get the whole page again. It means that everything between your components never needs to be shipped to the browser. You don't need like component code. And while we all know that if you do these full page navigations, they can be a little bit maybe laggy, but I question that thinking a little bit for, for two reasons, because first of all, um, most of the time with these navigations, you got to go back to the server for data anyways. And a lot of the complexity that comes around these solutions of, you know, reason why the React's even looking at like server components and stuff too is, is that there's these waterfalls that happen when you try and like load different lazy chunks and load different, uh, you know, JavaScript and whatnot. And the thing is, that can get complicated as your app scales. And honestly, um, it's not necessarily fast too. <laughs> you know, you, and the other thing is if you let the browser handle this, the browser already is kind of smart. It knows to hold almost like suspense. I think suspense was modeled after this browser behavior. If you are on a page and you click a link, until you serve up that page, maybe there's a timeout on it, the browser will keep on showing you the current page and show a loading indicator. And then the other page will come into view, almost to the point that on you know quickly responding servers, um, you actually don't even see the flicker anymore. And and a lot of the technology, um, you know, if you have a static site that's hosted at the edge, then you you know you probably have pretty quick communication there, like it's in a CDN. And I think for sites that need the maximum performance when they load, like e-commerce. You, uh, there's some studies a few years back, um, uh, Jake Archibald from uh, uh, Chrome team, I believe. He, he, he basically showed um, that the you know median size for JavaScript was something like 350 kilobytes in 2018. And I'm sure it's higher now. But, uh, you know, I was looking at a few other studies and stuff. And basically they were showing that, you know, if it took longer than... Um, uh, you know, maybe three or four seconds to load a page, you have bounce rates, like really measurable bounce rates. Like yeah. we're talking about like 25%. By the time you get to five seconds or six seconds, we're talking like 50%. And the the thing is for e-commerce, when your business depends on sales, this is this is not good. And in on the slowest devices, like those Moto 4 G4s or whatever, like uh, in Jake's study, he was showing that that 350 kilobytes of JavaScript took 15 seconds um, to, 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 to like wow. tap getting all interactive. So like even do some simple math. I mean, it's not linear, but divide, what do we need to get back to three seconds, right? Divide that 350 by um, by five, essentially, and 15 by five, and you get three seconds, you're at 70 kilobytes. Your page, if you're on an e-commerce site, you don't really want to be loading more than about 70 kilobytes on that loading page. And I mean, I hate to break it to most people, you get to 70 kilobytes with React before you've written a single line of code. Like it's literally React itself, um, maybe a Redux library, maybe Axios for your data fetching. Um, like it, 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 you're basically already there before you yeah. did anything. And that's, the, I mean, that's the most obvious way for me to kind of put that out there. But it means that these MPA frameworks are interesting because Google has recently kind of tightened down a bit and been like, yeah, we're gonna actually use uh, performance scores to rank your pages. So if you if you want to make money on your e-commerce site, you want to get those top listings, uh, you need to be fast, essentially. And people are looking at alternatives, right? And there is a lot of exploration happening there on the single page app side. And I think we'll eventually get some interesting solutions. But 
the, the beautiful thing about a multi-page app kind of mentality is that regardless of uh, what, a, like, like you don't have to worry about those other pieces. Like essentially you just, you never need to ship that JavaScript. There's no lazy loading considerations. It's just send the JavaScript you need. And sorry, this is a really long way to get around it because I, you know, I mentioned Astro because some people heard of it. Marco is like the dynamic site version of that, like more like Next.js version of that multi-page app framework. And, you know, it's been used at eBay since 2014. And it's, it's basically a, a, a mature dynamic way of doing the same stuff Astro is doing. Instead of, you know, making you manually kind of put your islands on the page, it you just write your code like an app and it automatically with its compiler just pulls out the islands and ships, determines what code needs to be shipped to the browser and which code doesn't. And that, that work for me is really interesting because I think like Astro static today, but it's not always going to be. People are going to be looking into these kind of technologies and techniques. I mean, to be fair, um, you know, I, I was talking a little bit with Dan Abramoff from React and, you know, Marco was actually influenced by the, some of the PHP techniques that were used uh, at Facebook years and years ago, and we brought it into JavaScript. React's been trying to bring elements of that into React, and that's uh, why it's been taking so long. Like suspense is very similar to a concept that we have in Marco called async fragments and, and uh, you know, the streaming SSR and the server components, all that kind of stuff has been more or less had a version of it in Marco since, as I said, about 2014. And so I, I, I'm very excited about how we have these like single page app frameworks like Solid or React. And then we have, well, I mean, Marco and Astro on this other side. And it's kind of converging maybe in the next couple of years. Right now they're separate camps and people are only just beginning to identify that there's value in both sides. Um, but, you know, this, this, this is part of that innovation story that I'm talking about that we actually have different players all kind of coming in. Like it's no secret that the, where we're heading is server side. I just don't think that DHH is right. Like, I don't think the, the, the rails guys are all sitting there going like, yeah, told you so it's coming back, but <laughs> yep. not the way that you thought that it's coming back. Like, um, it's, it's coming back a little bit different. It, it's not like we're like going no build or stuff. No, building and tooling is actually the fundamentals here in terms of being able to offer it. I mean, it's always been really important on the client side because we know we have these strict limitations. Every ounce that you can shave off, you know, tree shake, but it's more than just tree shaking. Like it's, it's actually dead code elimination, uh, comp compilation like Svelte or Solid or Marco. All these things are kind of coming together to kind of, make these very optimal apps, but with this experience that is a single app experience. You treat state like it's a single thing. You write one application and it just works across browser and server. And that's that's the focus. It's, it, you know, whereas on the Rails side, you always had like, oh, and there's the JavaScript. Like there was always like this, like here's the Rails app and there's where I have to get my hands a little messy. and. There is, there is, you know, benefit to that too. And it, it's interesting to see how the different sides are aligning. But for me, I'm actually seeing like this tools, no tools kind of avenue kind of being an interesting point of conflict or contrast over the next little while as we kind of see, um, as I said, the, the single page apps and the multi-page apps kind of merge on one side, on the tooling side. And on the other side, maybe, maybe Rails is aligning with like web components and standards-based stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to necessarily say this is a us versus them faction thing, but there's been a lot of opinions here about the direction the web could, should handle. And 
me kind of standing back, I, I can see these alignments and things already happening. So yeah, I don't see things settling down. I see a lot of innovation, a lot of really interesting competing products trying to do slightly different things to accomplish more or less the same thing. And we'll see, you know, what comes up on top and what what's the best way to do things for the future. So Ryan, this has been really awesome learning about Solid um, and, and Marco. Um, you know, for folks out there who are maybe interested in either project, what's the best way to learn more or potentially get involved? Yeah, I mean, our, our, our websites are uh, pretty good. There's um, tutorials, um, uh, solidjs.com. We have full tutorials set up, 40 tutorials, um, very influenced by Svelte. Um, and then Marco, we have a full listing of all the different syntax, all the, all the different you know compiler hooks and whatnot. But really, our Discord is where we live. Um, always on Discord on both. So come in, say hello, you know, ask your questions. There's a lot of people right now kind of um, getting interested in Solid now for for the first time. Um, a lot of so there's a lot of activity uh people going like trying to find component libraries and working on them and um yeah if you want to get involved just come in join the conversation there's there's always people there to help and people there working on stuff and that's true true of marco as well um our discords are both linked off the websites so um definitely uh come check it out great well thanks again ryan Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. Find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's Brian at Log Rocket.